Have you ever heard of the Underground Railroad? I suspect that you probably have. The Underground Railroad wasn't anything about trains and train tracks, anything like that. The Underground Railroad was a network of secret routes and safe houses that were used by slaves in America to escape from slavery, uh, to reach their freedom. The Underground Railroad. You may have heard of the woman Harriet Tubman. She was a black woman who worked the Underground Railroad and made numerous trips into the deep south to rescue slaves from slavery and to, and to convey them to the north and, and to freedom. She made uh, dozens of trips and uh, was able to escort scores of slaves to their freedom. It's estimated by 1850, just, just before the Civil War, it's estimated that 100,000 slaves had escaped from slavery in the South and made it to the North where there was no slavery. Let me ask you a question about that. Why would that many people, thousands, maybe even 100,000 people, even here in our country, in the history of America, why would people go to that effort to reach freedom? That's a pretty easy answer, isn't it? Slaves want to be free. People who are enslaved want to be free. People who are enslaved are looking for ways to achieve freedom. I think that's pretty easy to understand. Now, how does that apply to us anyway? That was a long time ago, and people are not slaves anymore, and we do not live in a place where there is slavery. There is other places in the world we understand there is, but where we live, that's not an issue. We've never been slaves. We've never held slaves. We don't, we don't have any personal association with slavery. In the physical sense, we're free. But that is not the case spiritually. And we need to be thankful for the work that Jesus Christ did to deliver us, to make us free. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Notice, Christ set us free. And that's what we want to make as the basis of our lesson this morning. The fact that Christ has set us free, that he's freed us from a slavery in several different aspects that we want to consider in our lesson this morning. Let's stop right here for just a minute. Thank you for being here. Beautiful, beautiful day in Middle Tennessee and a great privilege to be able to be together, to join together in worship, uh, to study God's word in a few minutes, to partake the Lord's Supper and remember the death of our Savior. Uh, it's just a great time to be together. And we're glad that you're here to be a part of that. We have visitors this morning. We're grateful for visitors. We always want you to know that. We hope you'll come back every time you have a chance to be here. We pray that God will be glorified by what we do together today. And we pray that all of us will be edified. And we certainly hope that will be accomplished. Thanks for being here today. Christ set us free. That's what Paul said there in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Christ set us free. But we might ask the question, what did he set us free from? That's important to know. What are we free from? Well, first of all, Christ set us free from the obligation to keep the law of Moses. We often study in the Old Testament. Usually what we've been doing for a number of years is usually devoting our Wednesday night study here in the adult class, devoting our Wednesday night study to Old Testament things and our Sunday morning study to New Testament things. And I don't know if that's a fair division of attention necessarily. But that's what we've done. I just say that to say that we spend a good bit of time studying from the Old Testament. Uh, it's good for us to have that knowledge. I really believe it would be 
impossible to fully understand all the things taught in the New Testament if we didn't have a good working knowledge of things taught in the Old Testament. But having said that, I think it's also important, so important for us to know that we've been set free from that system of law that was delivered to Moses on Mount Sinai. We're free from that system of law described in the Old Testament. That's so important for us to know. Our text uh, in Galatians is from, our, our text is from the book of Galatians, rather, and an important theme of that book of Galatians was to deal with the fact that we're not under that law of Moses anymore. We're well aware of the fact that in the first century time frame, the time frame in which that epistle was written to the churches of Galatia, we know that there was a big problem with people going around, Jews who were going around, saying that in order to be a faithful Christian, you had to keep certain aspects of the law of Moses. And the Apostle Paul often in his writings dealt with the error of those Judaizing teachers. And he spent a good bit of time in the book of Galatians dealing with that error. Look, for instance, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. Now, again, this is from the same epistle. An important theme of that epistle is we don't have to keep that law of Moses anymore. Paul was writing about it even in chapter 3. He said, for as many of us are, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Pay special attention to the last part of that. If you're going to try to keep the law and you don't do it perfectly, if you violate even one aspect of it, then you are condemned. Cursed is every one that continueth not in all the things that are written in the book of the law to do them. This was the real problem, you see. The problem was not with that law per se, but with man's inability to keep it perfectly. That's what the issue was. Here's the law. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to keep it? Are you going to keep it perfectly? If you didn't keep it perfectly, once you violated the law, once sin occurred, there was no ultimate, ultimate solution built into the law for that problem. No ultimate solution for sin in the law of Moses. Well, Jesus provided the answer. Jesus fixed that. In that same chapter, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. We just talked about the curse of the law. Keep it all or else. That was the curse of the law. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. No, it's being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And so Jesus provided the solution to the problem that the law caused. And the law's problem was, You've got to keep it perfectly or else. Jesus has delivered us from that. He's set us free from that. Again, in the same epistle, in the same chapter, in Galatians chapter 3, at verse 24, wherefore, notice, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. We said just a moment ago, it'd be hard to understand all the things that are taught in the New Testament if we didn't have a good working knowledge of things taught in the Old Testament. And that's really what Paul is saying here. The Old Testament got things ready. The Old, the Old Testament set things in order. The Old Testament provided necessary fundamental and background information. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Notice this, but after faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. Can you make that any plainer? I don't think I can. I don't think I can come up with a way of saying it that would make it any plainer that we're not under that law of Moses anymore. It was a schoolmaster. It provided an important role, but we're not under the schoolmaster anymore. That is just so clear. It served a necessary role. We needed to know what sin was. 
We needed to know about spiritual things that we would not know uh, just at living as carnal men. And the Old Testament provided that background information. But now that's finished. and We're not under that system anymore. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, our text is, verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So he's urging us, don't try to go back under that Old Testament system again. That's what the Judaizers want you to do. Don't do that. In fact, he says, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. We now live under a system of grace revealed by the law of Jesus Christ. But if you try to go back and live under that law, then you are fallen from grace. That's one of our memory verses, by the way. We remember that. It's so important for us to realize that we're not under obligation to keep that law of Moses. Christ has set us free. Now, uh, someone said, well, that doesn't seem like a big problem to me. You know? Why are you making such an emphasis about that? I can understand maybe how it was a problem back there in the first century when those Jews were going around trying to obligate people to keep the law of Moses, but it's not, that's not our problem now, right? Have you ever run into a Judaizing teacher? Have you ever run into someone that says to be a faithful Christian, you have to keep aspects of the Old Testament law of Moses? Well, we don't run into them too often, but there are some people out there that do that. Uh, for instance, have you ever studied with any Seventh-day Adventists who believe that certain aspects of the law of Moses are still binding upon us today? There are people in the world who are still trying to teach that. We need to know that Jesus set us free from the obligation to keep that law of Moses. But I tell you what, there's a lot of confusion in the religious world about that simple point, isn't there? A lot of people don't distinguish between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between the requirements of the old law and the new law. And I'll tell you, if you don't get that straight, the Bible becomes a really confusing document. And a lot of people say that, don't they? I mean, I just can't make any sense out of that Bible. It just confuses me all to pieces. Well, one of the big reasons why people are confused is because they're not making that distinction between the Old Testament system and the New Testament system that we live under today, the law of Christ. And, of course... It results in people promoting false doctrines and false practices and false positions. How often, for instance, when we talk about the question of instrumental music, why don't we use instrumental music in our worship to God today? Well, we go to the New Testament and we try to show from the New Testament that instrumental music is not authorized in New Testament worship to God. And almost immediately, someone will reply, yeah, but they used instruments of music in the Old Testament which, of course, they did. We're not denying that. But that's not our justification. That's not our authority. They also made animal sacrifices in the Old Testament, too. Did we do that? No. We're not under obligation. We're not authorized to keep the law of Moses. And I'll tell you, we need to be really thankful for that. We live under a better system, a better law, with better provisions, better promises. We live under the law of Christ. Christ set us free from the obligation to keep the law of Moses. That's the context of that statement in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Uh, and, and we should be so appreciative for that. But I want to apply this concept of Jesus setting us free to some other things as well. There's some other, I think, important applications. I believe the Scriptures tell us that Jesus set us free from ignorance of God's will. It's really important to know what God wants us to do. Can you imagine the horror 
of living here in this world, looking around us and seeing the, the unbelievable immenseness of God's creation, knowing, that the, just intuitively knowing there must be some, some being out there that caused all this to come into existence, but I don't know anything about him. I don't know a thing about him. What do you suppose he wants me to be doing? What should I do? There's got to be an intelligent creator who created everything we see. He must be extremely powerful, but I don't even know him. I don't know what he wants me to do. I could be in big trouble if I don't know what this powerful being wants me to do. But that's not our situation, is it? Uh, we have been given information about him. Christ set us free from the ignorance of God's will. In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, by the way, that's our current memory verse. We see that we cannot figure out on our own what we ought to be doing. Jeremiah 10, verse 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. We cannot intuitively know how we should be living. It's not possible. Uh, in, in fact, our condition without the work that Jesus did is described here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. In other words, before Jesus came, before he made it clear to us what God wanted us to do, notice, having Ephesians 4, 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Look at that. Understanding darkened. You don't know alienated from God because of the ignorance that is in them. That would be descriptive of us if it had not been for the fact that God's will, His truth, had been revealed to us. A lot of that, by the way, a lot of that, Paul says here, is due to the blindness of the heart. Men just didn't even want to know. And so they were in that terrible condition. But look, Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus speaking to them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's what Jesus did. Jesus shined the light. He made us see. I hope we could all fairly often spend time contemplating and appreciating what Christ has done for us in the sense that he perfectly revealed the Father to us. That's not to say that men in the Old Testament times didn't know something about God, but they didn't know Him like we know Him. They didn't know perfectly like we have the possibility to know perfectly God and His will. Jesus revealed Him to us, setting us free from the ignorance of God and His will. That's another important thing that Jesus did in regards to setting us free. I tell you, Jesus also set us free from the condemnation of sin. Think about this for a minute. What if you lived in a place maybe like China? Maybe you lived in China. And you were arrested and put on trial, uh, found guilty of certain crimes against the state, and sentenced to a life of slavery in hard labor. What if something like that happened? You know, we're a little removed from that because even if somebody is convicted and guilty of something in our country, uh, they're not put to hard labor anymore. In fact, I've even read, and you may have read this too, where some people actually commit crimes with the intention of being caught because they they like the prison environment. They just soon live there as any place else. That makes you think it's not too hard, right? 
Now, I, was, and I don't think any of us want to go to prison necessarily, but the prisons in our country are not like the prisons in other places, not like the prisons that have existed in the history of mankind, not when you would be put to hard labor, but imagine yourself put in a situation where you're found guilty and sentenced to hard labor. Well, that's exactly the situation we'd be in and were in without Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities uh, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. That's our reality. That's our reality. That was our reality, those of us even who are Christians. That was our reality before we gain salvation through Christ Jesus. That's the reality of people who've never come to the Lord, alienated from God, separated from Him. In fact, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, the wages of sin is death. We always point out wages. Wages is what you earn, right? You earn wages. So what have you earned because of your sin? Death. Eternal death. Eternal condemnation. You deserve that. That's what you've earned. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus delivered us. He set us free from what we deserved. We deserved to die forever in hell, but he set us, th- set us free through his sacrificial death. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning verse 4, God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Knows what God did for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. By His grace, we often define grace as the unmerited or undeserved favor of God. So, although we didn't deserve it, it wasn't because we were so wonderful and great. It wasn't because we are just so special that God felt He needed to do this just because we are so wonderful. That wasn't the case. But because of His great mercy. He's rich in mercy. He loved us. He made us alive in Christ. He freed us from the condemnation of sin. That is just so amazing. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Jesus freed us from that condemnation, what we deserved, what we earned. Jesus set us free from that. But notice in this important verse, Romans 8, verse 1, There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You have to be in Christ Jesus to be free from that condemnation. You you get into Christ by being baptized into Christ. You remain in Christ by living a life of faithful service. If you're not in Christ, either having never obeyed the gospel or not being faithful after you did obey the gospel, then you're back in that condemnation, you see. Jesus has set us free from the condemnation of sin, but we've got to avail ourselves of that if we will be free from the condemnation of sin. Sort of closely associated with that, but a little bit different in tone, is this statement. Jesus set us free from the bondage of sin. The idea of bondage is here. We think of bondage sometimes in the sense of slavery. But here I think the word is used in regards to something that you're enslaved to by way of addiction. Uh, Jesus set us free from the bondage or addiction of sin. What do you think of when you think of addiction? Uh, probably the first thing that comes to mind is somebody who's addicted to drugs. Uh, maybe some 
um, horrible drug like heroin or crack cocaine or meth or something like that. You think of someone who gets addicted to drugs or maybe someone who's addicted to alcohol, maybe an alcoholic, really addicted to that. Uh, those are certainly bad forms of addiction. But there are other addictions too. Those things would be sinful, right? To be engaged in those things that addict us. But we're falling far short of a true picture if we think the only possible addictions are to substances like that. There are all kinds of sin that people can become addicted to. And men become, men and women, people become addicted to sinful practices. We hear a lot uh, of coverage these days about the addiction of pornography, for instance. Well, por- pornography is not like injecting some substance into my veins or drinking some poison down my throat, but it's an addiction nonetheless. The authorities tell us that pornography addiction is the fastest growing addiction in America. They, they say that. They're not speaking from a spiritual perspective. They call it an addiction to pornography. We can be addicted to all kinds of sin. In Romans chapter 6, beginning verse 17, God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. That's the idea of that addiction. Uh, being addicted to it, being in bondage to it. You were the servants. And by the way, servants here in, in our vernacular would be slaves. You were the slaves of sin. You were bound up with it. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Notice, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Note this, that we were freed from an addiction or a slavery to sin... But we're supposed to take on the obligations of righteousness. And so, the Lord has freed us from those detrimental things and habits in our lives. But we're not just out here with a great void in our lives. We're supposed to replace that burdensome slavery of sin, fill it with service in righteousness, is what Paul says. We're supposed to become busy with the beneficial activities of doing right, serving God. I think one of the reasons why sometimes new Christians don't make it, you know, they want to be free from the obligations and the addictions, the burdens of sin with all of its evil consequences. That's good, right? But unless you replace that with a service in righteousness. And unless you replace the bad with good things, you're not going to make it. You can't just have this great void in your life. You've got to replace that uh, with becoming servants of righteousness. Jesus set us free from the bondage of sin. Finally, let me suggest to you that Jesus sets us free from the fear of death. People have a big fear of death, don't they? People have a big fear of death. I suppose all of us do uh, to a degree. Uh, the reason being is a lot of unknown about death. What's, what's beyond? When I breathe my last breath, what's out there? What's going to happen? Well, we know some of the answers to that uh, based upon the things that God has revealed to us in his word. We don't know all the answers. And obviously, you, you won't know until you experience it, I suppose. But and, and, and in that sense, there's a fear of death for all of us in a way. I'll tell you, we don't have this ultimate fear of death because we look forward to something promised in the Scriptures that is described to us as being far better than anything we could even imagine. 
in this life in time. You know, some people are taking great measures to try and preserve life. Uh, they're doing things like, for instance, you, you hear about, what is it called, cryogenics, where people freeze their bodies. Oh, okay, so here I am, and I'm getting old, and I've got all these problems. But I think that men are going to figure out how to solve those problems. They're not going to do it in time for me, naturally speaking. So maybe I ought to just freeze my body. And I can be thawed out later on when they figured out how to solve some of these problems I'm dealing with, right? Because I want to live. I want to live forever if I possibly can. That's, that's the thinking of a lot of people. Well, we don't think that way. We've been freed from all that sort of fear of death because we actually have something far better to look forward to. It's a blessing to see things differently than, than a carnal man does. A carnal man just sees this life here and now is all I've got. We don't see it that way, right? Jesus set us free from that view of things. Jesus set us free from the fear of death. In Hebrews chapter 2, beginning verse 14, For as much then as ye are the children, excuse me, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Talking about Jesus. So we have flesh and blood. We live this, this physical life. Jesus partook of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You get that? Through fear of death, people suffered a sort of bondage. And Jesus set us free from that. We don't have to think that way. We don't have to worry about that like the people of the world do. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, Revelation 1, 18, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of Hell and hate, hell and death. I have the keys of hell and death. Jesus has the key. He can set us free. We don't have to, we don't have to deal with the idea of death and hell as others do. And finally, in John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What an amazing thing. Jesus set us free. Get the idea of someone in bondage, in slavery. If you, were, if you were a physical slave, I suppose the main thing on your mind would be freedom. Be free. Spiritually speaking, Jesus has set us free from a number of things so important, so critical to our spiritual well-being. We need to be thankful for that. What's your situation this morning? Have you taken advantage of what Jesus has done? Jesus has set us free. He's made freedom possible. But you have to react to that in order to have that freedom. First of all, you've got to become a Christian. Uh, the simple gospel plan of salvation is hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've never done that, then you're still in the bondage of sin. You need to come out of that through the work that Jesus has done, dying on the cross, shedding his blood there for our redemption. If you're not a Christian yet, we hope you'll make that decision without a delay. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been living faithfully, then you've allowed yourself to slip back into that condemnation of sin that we talked about earlier. Don't remain in that situation any longer. Come back to the Lord in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Is mine forever I am redeemed, redeemed.